Welcome to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today I'm so pleased to have Sarah Marcus here in the studio. I should say that we're we're taping the show. It's February 15th, the day after Valentine's. And Sarah, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, T. And so you're you're coming. You're you're um, you're you're doing some tour dates for the the. Well, you've got a book, Girls to the Front: The True Story of the Riot Girl Revolution, and it seems like you've probably been. It was launched launched last year in um, yes October. So so okay so, it's but we're so thrilled to have you here in town. You've been giving um, a, a reading, a talk with a Q and A, um, and doing part of your your video uh, sort of video tapings of uh, talks around the nation. Because weren't you just in? Was it Philadelphia? Yeah, I was in Philly last week, and that was really wonderful. There was a, a panel discussion at the University of Pennsylvania there. So, but okay, so you're in you're in Philly on a panel and this was actually available on um was it, is it girlstothefront.com and you've got a blog. Right, my blog is just sarahmarcus.tumblr.com and that's where I put up the video which was um really great because I was on a panel with fabulous um activists and musicians including this woman, Katie Otto, who's in a band called Trophy Wife, and Beth Warshaw Duncan, who founded the Girls Rock Camp in Philadelphia, and Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill. Um, and I was I was moderating this panel, and it was really fun, and the room was full, and everybody was really smart. And I was extremely happy that it was videoed so that it can now be watched online, although it's an hour long, and I don't know if anybody ever watches an hour-long video online. But, you know, you can skip around. People say smart things. And and I will say the introductions are really long, like the for the beginning. So you might want to um, from because the people had to frame the event that they right, were right. giving as well. But but it's it's great. So your blog. When did you start your blog, Sarah? I always started the blog when the book came out. I can't pro I can't claim to be a very prolific blogger. Um, I'm still kind of working out how to get that into my schedule along with everything else. But when I go away and meet amazing people, that usually gives me an impetus to put something up on the Tumblr. Yeah, well, before we go any further, I'll read your short bio, and then we'll oh. fill in some pieces. Sure. That sounds good. Sarah Marcus is a writer and musician living in Brooklyn. Her book, Girls to the Front, The True Story of the Riot Girl Revolution, was published by Harper Perennial in October 2010. Marcus's prose and poetry have appeared or are forthcoming in publications, including the San Francisco Chronicle, Slate, Salon, Book Forum, Artforum.com, and Encyclopedia. She is a co-founder of New Herring Press, a micropress focusing on prose chapbooks. She received an MFA in creative writing from Columbia University. Um, so again, thanks for coming and, and being here today, Sarah. It's my pleasure. Um, so, so... When you were in the MFA program at Columbia, did you start? Is this when the project started? Or can you tell us about the genesis of the project? Because I love in your, your introduction how you talk about your life as a girl and taking the train in to D.C. And, and sort of how you start framing what had you find, like trying to find this, the riot girls, the group, some some sense of people who would understand you, perhaps. Um, so w when did you know that you wanted to actually write this book and make it so, because it feels like a historical document now. Um, I The idea to write the book came about actually before I went to get my MFA, and it was largely why I went to go get the MFA. I 
decided that I wanted to write the book because I saw that the history was being um, was being told in ways that were skewing ever farther off from what I knew it had been, at least to me, obviously, Riot Girl was very different to a lot of different people, but the... Um, the erasures and the selective memories were getting pretty extremely tilted in a certain direction, and I really wanted to be able to um, to veer the discussion back toward the experience that I had, which was that, and my friends as well, that it was a it was a radical, it was like a grassroots radical feminist movement of young women who didn't exactly know what we were doing, but it was definitely more than like we're sick of being pushed to the side at, by boys at punk shows. <laughs> it was that way for a lot of people, but I actually had never gone to a punk show before I got into Riot Girl. I was a pissed off feminist who didn't have enough connection to a punk scene to even have been at a punk show to get pushed to the side by the guys so or to hold a coat or yeah yeah exactly and that you know that was a real experience for a lot of people but then there were a lot of other people who came to it through activism or you know or through looking for an outlet for their um for their political impulses because when you were when you were in was it high school you you started a group at your high school and you even you put up a bulletin board mm -hmm. and um well i started i started a feminist club at my high school because i read this article about in Newsweek about this thing called Riot Girl. And Newsweek, of all things. Like, isn't that amazing that Newsweek mm -hmm. actually had enough, like, finger on the pulse to even know this was happening? Yeah, and it was written by Farai Chidea, who's, like, you know, she's a real, she's out there doing important cultural journalism even now, cultural slash political journalism. Um, and that was... And that was early in her since then quite illustrious career. But um, and that's you know that's a a key tension in the book is that people who already were in the know about stuff were like oh gosh the media is you know we would rather not be in the media. In a lot of ways, I come down thinking that it wasn't wrong for people to want to not be in the media. But at the same time, it was good that certain things were able to come through, and it was really good for me. So I read this Newsweek article, and all of my sort of feminist activist yearnings that have been kind of bubbling along subcutaneously are spoken to and react. And so I go looking for the riot girls, and I couldn't find them. And But it had created in me a real motivation to do feminist things in general and so in um in 10th grade we had to interview somebody for a class for an english class and i decided i was going to interview the president of the national organization for women and uh, who was patricia ireland and she was very um controversial at the time it had just come out that she had not only a husband but she had a you know a, a female partner as well in a different city and they knew each about each other and is this bad for feminism's image and everything but i guess it was pretty good for its image um to me because it made me want to interview her and of course she was too busy to be interviewed but i interviewed the um the national chapter coordinator and at the end of the interview i said what can young women what can teenagers do and she said you should start a club at your school and so I did, and I started a club at my school, but it still wasn't enough, and it was too, um, it felt too conciliatory for me. I still wanted to be with these girls who were making a lot of noise and playing rock music and swearing and being, um, being uncompromising in their opposition is, to is sexism. That, Sarah, is that the image then that you got? Because I never read the Newsweek article. So but was that your imagination of them and then wanting to find them? And then I know at a certain point you... 
um, you get a zine and you write to the address. Mm-hmm. I got flyers. Or a flyer. Well, no, I got, I've got the address from Off Our Backs, which is a radical feminist newsletter that's published out of D.C. <gasps> and then they, got the, they did an article on the Riot Girls because they were, you know, non-corporate enough that Riot Girls were willing to do an interview. And, you know, and again, that's an instance of really smart media tactics. I feel like it's gone down in history as like, oh, the Riot Girls were so naive to, like, not give interviews to all of the television channels who wanted interviews. You know, they could have really spread their word so far. But actually, to give interviews selectively to things like Off Our Backs, I think, was a really good move. Because I was reading that publication every time I went to the bookstore, I would pick it up. And then here it is. Here's Riot Girl. Wrote to the thing, got the flyers back, started going to meetings. And that was how I got involved. Yeah, and you actually felt, because um, in the book, you felt connected immediately at, mm-hmm. at that moment. Whereas later on, you talk about people's experiences that um, if they came to initial a meeting, like trying to, to, to weigh, like having people feel included, but some people still... You know, it's like anything where there's a social group that doesn't have a very strong external structure or infrastructure, um, but is largely whatever the people sitting in the room make it out to be, then there's going to be a social aspect. If you get there and you click with the people, you're in Lake Flynn, and if you get there and there's a, a disconnect for whatever reason, it might be harder for you to keep going back. I was very fortunate that, um, I don't think it was fortunate really, I think based on the people that I met from other cities through researching this book, I think that, you know, there, um, I probably would have felt comfortable at Riot Girl groups in nearly any city because here were people who I had something really deep in common with, which was, if not a extant fearlessness, at least a real um, commitment and determination to be as fearless as possible and to really put our mark on the world and to do it in a way that brought us closer to other people in our community instead of isolating us. And then there, you know, and there was also the intangibles of just like what kind of people you are. Most, most of the riot girls that I've met are, you know, we like to speak our mind and, um, and we're kind of mouthy and opinionated and it can be kind of hard if you're to, it was hard then anyway to be a girl with those traits and to feel like you had or even can, now well i mean i haven't i haven't been a teenager in 2011 which is why i hedged i don't know how it is now but um but it was um it was tough for me and then well, it got I, better i love how in the book you do say um that um like you were being told by teachers and different things that you were reading that when you were when you were a girl like when you were in middle school high school that you can do anything and then that mm-hmm. wasn't your experience when you were actually going out there mm-hmm. um and so i think from that maybe i mean i don't want to make generalizations maybe we'll get a lot of calls from girls saying no everything's great <laughs> but i'm thinking that some of the same things and and this movement like riot girls i mean i I can't imagine that there aren't girls trying to, I don't know, even to use the outside, like the looks of the movement still as like identifiers to each other. Hmm. So how did you um, decide to, to, well, actually, let's take a short break and then we'll come back. We'll talk about 
we'll talk about structure, okay? Um, you're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel today. On the program, Sarah Marcus, her book, Girls to the Front, the true story of the Riot Girl Revolution. We'll be back. Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. Um, today on the program, Sarah Marcus, her book, Girls to the Front, The True Story of the Right Girl Revolution. Sarah, who were we just listening to? We were, we were listening to Huggy Bear. Woo-woo. <laughs> awesome band. English. Rad. That was off of a split 12-inch that Huggy Bear made with Bikini Kill um, in, like, 92, late 92, early 93. Great record. Kind of um, crunchy, difficult production values, but awesome songs. I love how you also say that um, you're always looking for, well, I think, hopefully I'm not misquoting you, um, like to, to make music, like de-skilled de musical. Uh, oh, yeah. I well, I mean, what I, what, I, what I referred to, I think I said like de-skilled communal music making that I instigate. And what I meant by that is that I have parties at my house where I play the piano and everybody sings. And um, and I just try to do songs that everybody will know, you know, so like 80s power ballads, there's always some Beatles in there. So sometimes Total Eclipse of the Heart gets in that there? Get, that that in? definitely the gets in there for real. Um, Nothing Compares to You is a big hit there. And then there's always something new. I really like to do like Since You've Been Gone and like the Taylor Swift songs. I'm into those. Um, and I was just noticing, like, um, Space Oddity by David Bowie is a really great piano bar sing-along song. Space Oddity. Yeah. 
too bad we don't have time for we could do part of the show all music today. oh my god there's a piano in the studio <laughs> look out i don't know um liz is it tuned <laughs> We don't know. Thanks to Liz for engineering today, <laughs> by the you, way. Liz, Liz Wayson, awesome. um, our, our intrepid leader here at the station, is, is actually engineering the show. Um, that's how important you are to us, Sarah Marcus, just so you know. Um, <laughs> Sarah's doing strong, muscular gestures. One day we'll have a little video cam. I was actually rooting through some of my papers here because um, there was an, it looked like, I think for, was it with Slate? Mm -hmm. You did the back and forth. Oh, yeah, with, with Marissa. With yeah. Marissa Meltzer, whose book Girl Power came out a few months before mine and touched on some of the same issues but from different angles. So did that? Did you know Marissa before? Oh, yeah. And, and did you guys both know you were working on the books? She knew I was working on mine. Oh, no. Marissa, if you're listening, I think that's how you got your idea for your book. No, but we're totally friends. It's totally fine. And I'm actually really grateful to her for putting the book out before mine because it meant that when my book came out, I'd a lot of the work of reminding people that something called Riot Girl had happened and was worth talking about had been done for me by the fact that her book came out. So I'm, you know, I think that our books are great compliments for each other because also um, her book talks a lot. Her book is only slightly about Riot Girl and it's more about how ideas about feminism or female empowerment like ran through the pop music that came after Riot Girl. And that was a topic that people used to talk to me about. And I would be like, oh, God, I hope someone else <laughs> writes that book because that's not the book I want to write. So I'm so glad that she did it and that she took care of that. And then I, I did my thing. And, um, you know, she's she's wonderful. And I, well, and that's great. Yeah. So a shout out to Marissa. Yeah. Yeah. And her book, Girl Power. And it was also really lovely of her to have me. So when her book was coming out, she said, hey, do you want to do a dialogue with me on Slate? We can do a conversation when my book comes out.